What's up, world? Welcome to another episode of that Mo Show. I am your host, as always, Hitch Montana. Unfortunately, my co-host is not with us today. However, we do have a special guest in the building, a very talented artist and uh, somebody who I, I, I am thoroughly liking at this point in time out in the game. Man, let the world know who you are. What's going on, y'all? My name is Big Drip, coming straight out of Michigan. Uh, I just dropped the album called Heartfelt uh, FUs. It's available on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, and my leading single is uh, with Cassidy and uh, my homeboy Fashion. So y'all can check that out. You can also find me on YouTube, uh, The Big Drip. You can find me on Instagram at Strictly Promo um, and also as Drip Matthews, too. Good stuff, man. Since you brought up the album, let's go ahead and dive into that, man. So I got a chance to listen to the album. I got to say, man, this is a very good body of work, man. I really like listening to it. So when it's come, when it comes to you making an album, what is the thought process behind putting together a project? Um, I always want it to be relatable, no matter, no matter sonically what it is. I always want it to be relatable personally to me first, right? I always want to make sure that it's authentic as possible before I even imagine like how many songs it's going to be. I want each song to be something I can look back on and capture a moment in my life because I feel like people who have, uh, you know, have long-term careers in the music industry, as far as the best artists, it's always authentic. They tell you a story and it doesn't matter how much money you, they got, you can always relate to that. So that's the focusing point first. Okay, okay. Yeah. So your, your single is Food Chain with Fascist yeah. and Cassidy. How did, that, how did that project come about? How did, how did the, the dynamic with Fascist and Cassidy come out? <clears throat> I tell you what, it was crazy, man. I just, um, you know, sometimes I'll be having, I, I got to purge you know, purge myself and I'll be having like moments where I just want to get on a record and just go off on it. Right. And so I made the record. I made the beat. I produced the beat. And, you know, I did it at home, actually. And I just I, I went to the studio and laid it down. You know, it's like a minute or so, maybe two minutes worth of bars, you know, and I posted it And uh, my homeboy fashion, my cousin fashion, you know, he hit me up and he was like, yo, what you doing with that record? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't know. I just wanted to get off. You know what I'm saying? He was like, hmm. You know, so a couple of days go by and he's like, yo, I think I got something for you. So he sends me a few things that he done did to the beat sonically wise. He added a few things to it. And he's like, man, I think I can get you an artist on here. I'm like, where, who, who you think you can get on here? He's like, man, I think I can get Cassie to get on here. And I'm like, man, get out of here, bro. He's like, I'm not playing with you, man. He's like, I'm serious, bro. He's like, I think I think it's up to par where Cassidy would want to get on it. And so he told me the ticket, told me how much it would cost. And at that time, I just had the perfect amount. And we reached out to Cassidy and his people in his camp. And uh, he listened to the record. You know, he said he, he definitely was digging the vibes. And uh, he got on it. It took like a week or so after that. And, you know, Cassidy was on it. And then Fashion had already had asked me, he was like, yo, you mind if I get on it too? And I'm like, of course you can get on it. You know, and so they both jumped on it. And that was that. You know, that literally was that. Now, that's very cool, man. I got to say that uh, Food Chain is a very nice album. I'm liking, I'm, I'm sorry, not album, but single. I'm liking the the beat, man. I'm liking the verses on there. I'm liking the fast tempo between the not only the beat, but also the flow. Now, is that more yeah. of your style? Is, is the fast type of rapping more of your thing? Yeah, you know, when I first started rapping and stuff, you know, I come, you know, from the boom bap era, you know, the Nas, Rock him, you know, Big L, you know, more than New York type of style of beats. But as I started, you know, really perfecting my pen, I really felt that I shined and I shined more on records that had a, a upbeat tempo. You know, personally with me, I always feel like I got something going on in here. You know what I mean? I always feel like I got like a drum. I'm always, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm hyper, but I just always feel like I, I just, I'm on edge. And so when I get on the record, that is more faster tempo, it allows me to really dig in and to really, you know, be able to write the way I want to write. I can write on slower beats, but I, it seems to me that, you know, the more faster paced, the more aggressive type of tone records I really shine on. All right, cool. So how would you actually describe your sound? Is it, it I know you said that the, you have the more 
if there's like that adrenaline feel, that hype feeling inside you when you're rapping. For for the people who are just now hearing you or taking a listen to you, what would how would you describe your sound overall? Um, I would say that it, it, it's it's a mixture between trap soul and uh, you know lyr- lyrical you know, lyr- lyrical slaughter, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's gonna have that vibe where you're gonna have, you're gonna have records where you listen to me and you can be like, yo, that kind of sound like a, a Bryson Tiller or, you know, um, you know, one of those type of records where it's kind of slowed down melodies and whatnot. But then you'll also hear me do records where it sounds like, you know, Royce Five Nine or Eminem. Like I said, I'm from, I'm from Michigan. So, uh, you know, as far as you ask me, who's the goats in Michigan, you already know. You know, I'm, I'm going to say Royce Fine I and Eminem, you know, and a few other rappers. So, you know, I, I definitely would say it's deeply rooted in those two things. And I try to combine them as best as possible. I'm still experimenting, though. You know, I got rock records. I got I got a lot of different things I haven't released yet and that I'm working on. Um, but, yeah, those that would be the two, I would say. OK, so keeping it on the lines of the goats of Michigan. Who are who are your top three favorites in Michigan? Who are who are the goats in your eyes out of Michigan? I know you mentioned Royce and Eminem being one of the two, but Michigan is loaded with talent. So who who are the who are the actual greats for you? Um, are you saying personally in my hometown, or just overall like main industry artists? Overall, man, okay. whether it's a mixture of the independent artists and the major artists, whether it's locally or across the whole state, okay. let the people know who, who, your, who, your, who your favorites are. Okay, so my favorite um, local artist that I feel like gets underlooked in that, you know, he definitely is one of the hardest working people I know of is my close, you know, partner, my homeboy Substance810, right? You can check him out. You can YouTube him. Just type in Substance810. He to me is the the embodiment of the type of artist that you know I aspire to be. You know, he has consistently put out records, put out albums, consistently worked with people. He to me is like a ready-made artist that if you sign him today, he would be ready then. So Substance 810, that's the closest person to me, I would say. Now, if we're talking about Detroit, you know, I'm definitely gonna say that, you know, like I said, Royce, Eminem. Big Sean um, and Sada, you know, I like Sada Baby, man. And, you know, it's just the vibes, you know, he do a lot of different type of music and he's still authentic to it, man. So I definitely would say Sada, man. But, you know, you know, you got a lot. You got a lot of Detroit artists. You got T Grizzly. You know, you got a you got a bunch of them. I don't want to, um, you know, miss anyone by not naming them. But there's definitely a lot of people that are inspiring in that town. But those are the people that I would say on the top of my list. Oh. And of course, I got to give a shout out for Trick Trick, man. Um, he, I actually opened up for him a few years ago. And to me, he had a set that was just on point. I'm telling you, I never really seen someone like perform. Like when you're a rapper and you perform, you're so worried about performing that sometimes you don't even get to see the show while you're performing it, if you, if you follow what I'm saying, right? To me, when I watched his show, it was like, this is a person who has calculated every move, who knows like when when he says this, his whole band follows behind him. It was one of the best shows and he allowed us to open up for him, man. And I hope that in the future we can do it again. So I definitely got to mention Trick Trick. Okay, okay. So big shout outs to Trick Trick for putting you on. That's a good yeah. Trick Trick is a, is, is a, is, I would say he's a legend, not only in Michigan world, but to a lot of people outside of Michigan. You know, he's a he's a big part of the hip hop world. Where yes, does sir. your start come from when it comes to music? How does it all begin for you? Say again. When it comes to hip hop rap, where 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 did it all start? How'd you get into rapping? Man, I tell you, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, without getting, you know, too in depth, like my mom, she wasn't allowing, you know, me and my brother to really like to listen to hip hop music early on, right? And so 
I would say like around 11 years old, 11, 12 years old is when I really was like trying to make a conscious effort to really listen to, to hip hop music and stuff. Like my homeboys is doing it. I really have no clue too much. And so it really was a, a, a submersive experience and I really had no idea, you know? So when I jumped in, I'm telling you, I listened to everything, you know, Fushnickens, uh, Beat Nuts, LL Cool J, you know, Eminem, you know, Raz Kaz, uh, the whole, you know, Wu-Tang Clan, you know? And so from there, it encompassed, you know, there, I just, it just went down, you know, the ladder and, oh, this artist worked with this artist and that, you know, of course, you know, people like Big and Pac, you know, those were influential, inspiring to me. But um, I would say initially I was listening to Nas, Jay, um, and then when Eminem came out, that's when I really decided to pick up the pen. That's when I really was like, I'm going to give it a try. I think I can rap. And that's where it started. I was like, I think I can rap. <laughs> and I was trash. <laughs> I was trash when I first started. But, you know, with anything, you, you got to practice, bro. So, yeah, those those would definitely be the artists that that made me, and you know, start. And what I really listened, it was the building blocks. Eminem seems to have a heavy influence on you. I listened to the album again, and as as I was listening to it, I hear essences of Eminem within the within the album. Yeah. Does he play a big influence to the, your sound? Yeah, he, he he. And here's the thing, right? You know, it's it's uh it's a double edged sword. You know, it's like you like to be compared, but you don't want to get to the point where, you know, because I've seen artists. You know, especially when it's white artists, if they sound too much like Eminem, they're already going to get put into that basket and people are going to underlook any lyrical capabilities they got. So it's like the fine line of being inspired by somebody, but at the same time being your own artist. And I think I ride that line where people can say, yo, he kind of sounds like this kind of sounds like an Eminem type of vibe, but it's not Eminem, you know, and that's where I want to stay. You know, I I would be lying that if I said that to me, Eminem is like, he's definitely an artist that I got to meet at some point. And when I write my songs and do my songs, I'm like, I got to meet this guy. And if he doesn't hear a record from me, then I'm not hot enough yet. And so that's what inspires me and drives me because, you know, I think we all should have someone that we inspire to be, but you don't want to get it so mixed and so blurred that you forget your own identity, you know? So he definitely... He definitely was a person. I mean, you gotta you gotta be honest, man. When you listen to how he structures his lyrics and 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 you know him breaking the, the Guinness World Records and everything, it's like how can you not say that? And I'm pretty sure if I was a little bit older, then it would have been Jay Z. But for me, you know, Eminem is a person that carries that bar. Hundred percent, hundred percent. A lot of times, uh, now that we're in this streaming world the the greats kind of change up now you know yes. at one point in time it did used to be the Nas's, the biggie tupac jay-z and then you get into this early 2000s world where it changes and it's now like eminem wayne drake and some yeah. of the other people so it, yeah it, it, i can see where i can see you saying that you know the most people down. would say most people would say it's jay-z but now for you it's, it's eminem at this point so it's, it's really cool to know that hey, he has that big inspiration for you. Um, and I, hold on, hold on. Yeah, and yeah. I, I want to say that if I was younger, right, like the kids of these days, like their top rappers are like Drake or the baby um, or Lil Baby, you know, like it, it does change. And I realized that like, it just, everyone, every, you know, 10 years or five years, there's always going to be someone that fills that role. And, you know, this, so when people ask like, who's the top, top of all, or who's on your mountain, it's like, man, it's kind of hard because, you know, we're living in that time frame where we can see, oh, I remember Biggie. I remember Pac. I, mean, I remember Jay. I remember Nas. I remember Wayne and Drake. I remember the baby and, you know, a few other rappers. So it just, it's, you know, conglomerate. You know, I, I hate getting put in those situations, dog, because it's hard for me to pick, like, you know, who's the best. <laughs> for sure. You don't want to step on the wrong toes because there's still a lot of people in this era and in the previous eras where, you know, their goats are still alive and their goats are still rapping. So, yeah, I can understand that. Not wanting to step on there. Is 
for you is the end goal to be a part of that conversation? Is the end goal to be one of the greats for Drip or is it just to be a successful artist, a big name artist? Well, financially and fame wise, I just want to be sustainable, right? So I would say like this, I, I always explain to people, you know, when you think of uh, um, Tech Nine, right? Tech Nine is a lyrical monster. And Tech Nine is also widely known in the hip hop community, but he's also kind of a kept secret, right? He stays out of all the mess. You know, you never really hear anything about him. He just stacks his bread and then he's known to be a lyrical monster. So that's someone that's someone who I would want to be, right? I want to have, I want to be able to perform, get paid to do it, drop my albums, you know, live my career as, a, as an artist throughout my entire life. Um, I don't necessarily need the fame. I don't need to be known like, you know, like on a Drake level um, personally, but I want my, my, my lyrical capabilities and my music to be known in that way. So it's not about fame. It's that I do it for the culture. I do it for the art. I do it because there's something in me that makes me like, I'll write a song. I like it. Then the next day I don't like it. And I do another one. It's, it's just that, you know, just to create it you know, creating it, you know, I want to be known for being someone that pushes the pen. I respect that. That's, that's a really good look to not be chasing the fame, but actually just chasing the craft and the passion. Because most yeah. of the time, if you trace the, if you chase the craft and the passion, the, the, the fame will come along with it. Success mm -hmm. will come along with it, but it's the dedication for, for the craft first that, that, uh, that brings that about. So it's a really good look for you. What would you say to those who are coming up right now? I know you're still in the process of coming up yourself, but those who are made who are who are debating on whether or not they want to be a rapper, whether or not they don't they feel like they can't do it as a rapper, but they have the passion to be a rapper. What would you say would be the uh, what would you say would be the route that they should take or how they should go about getting into it? Well, the work I was. I would say that, you know, it doesn't, you can start from anywhere. Like I said, I started and I was trash and I had some homeboys who let me live, let me spit my raps and, and they, they gave me the constructive criticism. And then I took it and went back to the drawing board and I kept perfecting it. So I would say that almost anyone has the capabilities of being, of, of, can, you can, of rapping, of writing a song. It's just poetry. Um, and I would say, start there, practice, 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 perfect your craft. Don't worry about what this other artist is doing or that artist artist is doing or whatever. Just start with a song, express yourself, start with another song after that. And then slowly and surely you'll start, you know, you'll start building up a repertoire and you'll start building up you know, a foundation for yourself where you can start looking at it and deciding like, oh, I like that sound. I like this, you know, don't cut yourself short because you feel like, well, I'll never be like this person or I'll never sound like this person. You know, I, I'm no disrespect, but you know, when you have like the whole Takashi situation and you have artists like that, that show you that, well, I never came from this background. I never really, I didn't really rap like that but people put me in a position to do it and I just did it, right? Doesn't matter if you disagree with his choices or whatever the case is, it's, it's, you know, it shows that you can come from any background and if someone gives you the opportunity and you run with it, that you have a possibility of making it. And so I would say that don't cut yourself short because you're not sure that uncertainty is definitely um, something that will kill a career before you even release your first song, you know, so. And to keep your head on a swivel, if we really want to get deep, we I'm pretty sure you're aware of it, that a lot of young artists of today, um, they get a bunch of money thrown at them. They get so many different things thrown at them and they forget the purpose. They forget what they joined it for, what they got into the music industry for. And a lot of them end up dead because, you know, they lose focus of that and they get derailed. So I would say that definitely know your purpose and work on your craft. Don't worry about the outside noises, man, because all that other stuff is gonna come to you. You just have to work on 
being the best artist that you are. You don't have to be a Jay-Z. You don't have to be an Eminem. You don't have to be any of the greats. You just have to be authentic and consistent. Good stuff. This is good stuff. Going back to the album, I, I see that there was uh, 10 songs on the on the album in total. Now, was that done intentionally or were what's the process when it comes to when it came to putting the track list together for you? Yeah, it definitely wasn't. It, it was done intentionally because, you know, me, I'll be honest, like the artist that I am. I would say that to the outside person, it would look like procrastination. Right. Some people would look at me and be like, bro, like you got records that you did a year ago that you haven't released. And part of it is kind of true, but also with for me personally, it's like I'm an artist that it takes me a bit to really like if you ask me to write a song, I could write a song today. Right. But is it going to be my best? I'm not sure. So me, I like to take my time. I like to think of something. I like to revise a verse, a song, you know one or multiple times before it really sticks to me and I feel like it's ready to go. So I did that purposely because I didn't want to give myself too much work. You know, I didn't want to put 20 songs in there and then not do 20 songs. And that's something that I actually learned this year, you know, do the songs. And then when you, let's say you get to 10, then listen to those 10 songs and decide if they're able to be compiled into an album. If you tell yourself that you're going to, some people can do it, but if for me personally, if I say I'm going to do 20 songs in my mind, now I have to look at everything in its entirety. Now I have to think about how many verses, how long is the song going to be? Uh, where am I going to get all the beats from? How am I going to get all the clearance, you know? And so it becomes this big project, which is hard to manage. And it's just, it's just micromanaging. It's making it manageable so that you get the job done and you meet the deadline. So 10 songs to me is like a sweet spot, you know, and I'm actually going to reduce it soon. I'm going to reduce it to, you know, five or six, because when you look on iTunes, you look on Spotify, a lot of people are dropping like mini albums, you know, um, they'll drop like five songs and then they'll see how people respond to it. And then the next one will be maybe catered a little bit more to people. So it's all about the algorithm too. I dropped 10 songs because I felt like people could listen to it. They could absorb it and it would leave them in a position where they would want to hear more of it too. Okay, very cool, very cool. What's the hot, what's your favorite on the, what's your favorite track on the album? Which one is the one is like the baby for you? Um, I like Knock. Knock is the one that's really, you know, obviously it's all relatable to me, but hey, Toby, keep it down. I got my son with me, pardon me. Um, Knock is the one that, really captured a moment of my life that uh, really shaped me. It was when I was, you know, I was, I was about 17, 16, 17 years old. I had got kicked out the house. I was, uh, you know, I was homeless for a bit. And it was one of those moments I remember was really, you know, really turbulent for me as a kid. Like it's just, it was a volatile situation and I got through it and I always wanted to touch back on it. I always wanted to write a song to express it, but I didn't really know how to make it marketable. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you make a song about being homeless and still make it catchy? You know, <laughs> and and when I did, I was like, you know, it just started coming to me and being outside and passing people's homes and wanting to be inside of a warm house and have a family at that time. So I'm like, y'all thinking about knocking on a door and coming in, you know, and having a piece of that back. And then that's where it came from. It was like knock, you know. And so to me, knock is like if, if you ask, like, yo, who is drip? You know, it's like knock would be one of those records for me too I, I like a couple other ones too okay so knock is like the it's like the background for you the backstory for you it explains how you came about i got you now are you saying that you wrote the song when you were 17 or are you saying that during at, at 17 is when all of that took place and then well you made that. I, i'm sorry are you, I, and that's when you made that's when you made the track i wrote variations throughout my my you know my time growing up of like songs trying to mention it you know trying to actually touch on it you know um being younger you know and you can you can probably attest to this too um it's not always especially when it comes to young black men it's not always easy to be expressive in those ways you know if you if you have like something that's going on with you if you say it in a way where you know people will interpret it and be like oh man you're being soft right now 
you you ain't supposed to be talking like that right now, man. You got toughen up, you know what I'm saying? So throughout those times, it was kind of hard to express it because I would have like, a, a, you know, people around me and I'd be like, man, maybe I'm soft, maybe I'm weak if I show those emotions or whatever. So it really took me a long time to be able to express it and just be like, yo, this is just a, this is just human you know, human nature and we're all humans and we should be allowed to express ourselves. And even if it's the the softest or the hardest or whatever the case is, you got to get that out, and especially as an artist, like your job is to tell the truth. And so I always wrote stuff about it, but I never did a song. I never did a song until of like last year or so and talked about it or even talked about a lot of stuff that you hear on the record. Like I never talked about, you know, my mom liking my brother maybe more than me. And, and that's on uh, Beethoven, you know, so, but yeah, it finally came about this year or last year. Very cool, very cool. Now, you've been getting a lot of uh, buzz through the blog sites on Instagram. We've been seeing you on Orlando Hip Hop and uh, some of the other uh, some of the other pages um, on social media. Now that the now that the success, or not necessarily the success, but the notoriety is starting to build up. Do you see the some of the fans wanting to get uh, a different side of you, or are they still, or do you do you still have that that um, that pureness within your music coming in, meaning that that originality from yourself and not wanting to dive into what the fans are looking for? Do you still do you are you noticing the diversity between the two? Yeah, yeah, I would say yeah and no. Um, I don't, I don't hear from it as much online, where I see my fans asking, you know, for me to to do a, a this type of record or whatever. But um, when I come across, you know, friends or, or or people that have been like longtime personal fans, like people I know I can rub shoulders with, you know, they'll say stuff like yo, man, it'd be dope if you did a record like this or that. And so that's why, um, and you might not have been able to chance to, to hear it, but, you know, I have a few records, you know, a few singles out with my brother. You know, I got a song called My Town with him. I got a song called Vibes on Lock. Um, I got a song called Slide. I actually got a music video. You can look at, uh, find that on, you know, Big Drip at YouTube. But it's those records that are a little bit more newer, newer vibes, more bouncier type of records that I would say would be the um, kind of like the doorway, you know, for people who kind of want to hear me in that realm of music. And I'm not going to lie. I enjoy doing that. You know, it, it um, it's fun. You know, it's not always fun, um, you know, trying to hold the bar and then and then just being, you know, just drilling it. So when you do when I do a record like Food Chain, um, I love it personally, but because I'm so focused on, you know, I want to make sure that every bar is hard. I want to make sure that it goes over their heads. You know, it, it, it's not always, it's fun, but it's, it's a different type of fun. And so when you get on a bouncy record, like a, a record that the baby would get on or something like that, and you're allowed to be a little bit more playful with it and stuff, it, it, it's, it's fun too as well. And so, I'm enjoying getting on records like that. And I tell my bros, like, anytime you need a verse from me, man, like, you can, you know, you got it because it allows me to express myself in a different way. So I don't, I'm not really being con constrained right now. I'm pretty sure maybe it will happen, but, you know, they're lenient. Like, they know what they're going to get when they, when they talk about Drip Matthews or Big Drip. I'm just all over, man. I don't want to be boxed in. Oh, uh, well. Definitely nice to know that you're versatile and you you're trying to keep it mixed up. I definitely, I from a from a personal perspective, I definitely say continue to stick with the pureness of it because I think that's what's going to drive your success um, when it comes to making the music versus diving into that that world where you got to make the perfect sound for every art uh, for every fan. You got to be out all on the TikToks and everywhere else. So it's real. So, you know, as long as you keeping that purity, man, I think you I think you're going to be right on track and I think things are going to be perfect for you, man. Uh, switching it up, though, we in the music world right now, the game has recently put on put out on uh, Clubhouse, this new app called Clubhouse. He's been putting he, he put out that he is the king of the West Coast. 
And now everybody knows that at some point in time, Kendrick was considered the king of the West Coast. Now that the game has come out and spoke and said that he is that man, is it true or not in your opinion? Do you believe that he is the king of the West Coast? Is Snoop Dogg king of the West Coast? Who's the king of the West Coast for you? And it, does the game even hold a torch to that? Oh, the game definitely holds a torch to that. And, you know, no disrespect to the game or anything. If I was to say that he's not, you know, the, the king of the West or whatnot. Um, when you talk about being a king, you know, you have to look at, you know, the, the multiple facets that, you know, the type of titles and what the king does for, the, for, for that culture, for that community. So I would definitely say that if you want to say who's carrying a torch, I could definitely say that the game is carrying the torch. And so he could rightfully so consider himself to be the king and could be the king. Um, and Kendrick at one point was also known to be the king. But let's be honest, Kendrick has taken a backseat. And for whatever multiple reasons, you know, maybe he uh, is, is all by purpose, is all so that other artists, you know, I, I kind of think that the reason why if you would say that he's not the king like K-Dot is because he's taking a backseat to allow other artists from his community to grow and to flourish, right? Because when you put the cap on it and you say, I'm the king, now that kind of makes it hard for other people to kind of be in that same world as you. Like, are they all kings? Is there only one king? You know what I'm saying? So I think that if we were going to say that Kados not the king, it's probably because he, he wanted to see other artists like D Smoke and a few other artists from there growing and, and flourish and whatnot. So I'm not going to sit here and say that the game isn't the king of the West because, I mean, I'm not out there in the West. I'm not living that lifestyle. I don't, you know, I don't know what, what type of work he puts in. But, you know, me being over here, um, of course, you got Snoop and you could say, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, Snoop does a lot, too. He's got the show with Martha. You know, he's on the TV shows and stuff like that, man. So, it, I mean, hey, man, if you say you're the king, then you're the king, man. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, okay. With him being, with him saying that he's the king of the West, Who's the king of the east then? Who is who's the who is the god in the on the west on the east side? See, I don't know if it if it um I don't know if in the east it really it really is a focal point. You know what I'm saying? Like like in the west and down south, like you'll have rappers like T.I. saying I'm the king, and you'll have a few other rappers saying they're the king too. You know, so I think in and in certain areas, it matters, and there's a focal point, and people are really looking for, you know, well, who's the king or who's going to take that title? In the East, I really don't think it's, you know, and maybe I'm wrong, but I never really, I never, like, okay, if you say you're the king in the West, right, there could be issues. If you say you're king in the South, there could be issues. Like, people could really get upset at that, right? I don't really feel like that's the same way over here in the East, you know, per se. It's like, I don't feel like people would really catch bodies over someone saying that they're the king, you know? And I couldn't tell you who's the king, you know? I, I, who do you think is the king? <laughs> for me, I, you know, it's, for me, it's, 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 it's Jay-Z, hands down. For me, the GOAT, is, the God is, is Jay-Z and, I think that just goes across the board, East Coast, West Coast, South. I, I think Jay-Z is is the top of the food chain because of how much how, how much success he's had. You know, you look at from the standpoint of the longevity of his music, from Reasonable Doubt all the way to the Carters with his wife. Um, now, granted, he hasn't had the biggest success in his last couple of albums, but he has had the longevity to be able to say that you know, I haven't had much of a bad record from beginning to end. You may not have liked some of the music that I've put out. However, none of the music that I've ever come out with, you could say it genuinely bad. And then on top of that, you take a look at the business side of things, his music, his music ventures, as far as uh, the business, the, the labels go and how he's done well with Rock Nation, you know, the artists that he's managed, uh, the, the, the success that his label has had itself. You know, for me, that's 
that there's nobody who can hold a candle to that in that aspect because of how much success he's had and how much he's just transcended from being the artist to being the music mogul and the guy who's just being all around the all around person in the music industry. I was having a conversation with somebody not too long ago and we were talking about how when it comes to Jay-Z, even though he hasn't had he hasn't always had the number one albums, he's had that he's had that success to say even for even the young artists to come to him and say, "Hey man, I want to get you on this track." Because a lot of times what happens is you have these big artists who will like like Snoop Dogg, for instance, or maybe some of these other artists that are that would be considered goats for some people, and they're they're not somebody who you want to have featured on the album. You you like them, you like the music that they had in the past, but you don't want to put them on an album at this point in time. But Jay Z is the type of artist who, regardless of how long he's been out or regardless of what he did in the past, the success he's had in the past, new artists today still find reference or respect in putting him on a track now and wanting him to be featured on even some of the their big singles that they're about to release on the radio and normally when you have the, that big single out you want to put whoever's hot on there you want to put whatever's catching whatever's popping right now but a lot of artists are taking the time to say hey i want jay-z on there so for me it's you know the the i gotta give it to jay-z as the goat there's just there's just nobody like him i would i would agree with you a hundred percent you know with that and, and but that's also why you know i consider hove to be like an entity you know at this point he's a corporation you know so when when you know when i think of kings i think of someone who's who's reachable who's you know accessible and who has a physical like a physical body to it you know what i mean when i think of hove i think of like an urban legend mythology you know, he's a, like I said, entity, right? He is so, so huge. And so like his fingers are, are as far as, as far as hip hop and the music culture, his fingers reach so far out that it's hard, you know, it's, it, you, you can't, you can't say that he's not the king, but he's past that, right? Because like you said, his past couple records, maybe they, his you know, past couple albums and maybe they haven't hit, but he is always, it's never been, it's never, his, his value has never depreciated in that, right? You can say, oh, he kind of had a bad album or, or this verse or whatever the case is, but him, him himself and what he does and what he represents and the moves that he makes and continues to make, they never get depreciated. They always gain value over time. And that's why I say, man, this is like some, some, like, this is too huge for you to kind of cap that guy and say, Oh, well, you know, he's, he's just a King. No, he is he, like, <laughs> like, he, you know, taking the name and saying Hove already puts you into an atmosphere where people have to consider you above anyone. When you take the name of God, right, and you use that as your rap name, and especially when you have situations where you had Nas when he said he was God's son, and then Jay-Z takes the name and says Hove, you know, like, that just, that just changes the entire game, bro. So, the moves that he does, and I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but just the moves that he does and continues to do, I completely agree. But I also put him in a realm where it's not even, it's not even questionable, bro. Like you can't, he's something way different. You know what I mean? Like if he takes his, takes his money out of things, like certain businesses will crumble, you know, rock, like you mentioned rock nation, you know, if he decided, Oh, I don't want to do that. Then how many artists would be affected by that? How many workers would be affected by that? So when you have that type of power, man, I would say that you're something even more, more than a king. I got you. I would, I would probably agree with you. And I know <laughs> I, we got a couple of fans who watch the show and they would probably say, you know what, you are, you are out of your mind. But I, I, would, I stand behind you with that one. I got to agree. He's, he's transcended from being a king to something a whole lot greater. Um, off the Jay-Z topic though, what's what's the first album you got, man? What's the what's what's the first album you ever listened to through and through? Maybe what's the first album you ever bought physically? Cause I know now we don't we don't live in a world anymore where people are buying CDs, you know, they're downloading, they're streaming. So what what's that first one that you got? Like for me, my first album 
that I ever bought was uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. That was the actual first physical album that I ever I ever bought. Um, and it meant it, it meant a lot to me to actually have that album. And it was actually what what drove my passion into being a producer and diving into the music world. So what was that? What was that first album for you? Um, all right. So I'll give you a little backstory real quick. Like I mentioned that my mom wasn't letting me, you know, my brother really listen to music early on. Right. And so the way I figured out, like I'm a little I'm probably like a little bit older than you. Right. So back when I was a younger kid, like they used to have these uh, magazines that get sent to your crib and they would have a whole bunch of like, uh, you know, albums and upcoming, you know, artists that you could buy. Right. But the thing was, is like when you're 17, like you can order them without having like, you know, your parents consent to it. So I find a loophole. So I'm like, yo, if I just order it, you know, I'm not going to pay them the bread. I'm just going to order it because I'm younger. It's not going to, nothing's going to happen to me. And I'm going to take the CDs when they come in the mail and I'm going to take them in the room and listen and break them down and stuff. So I was ordering CDs and I'll be honest with you, bro. Like I ordered, <laughs> I had albums like in sync, <laughs> you know, like Backstreet Boys, you know, to make it look like it was all good, you know, because my mom caught wind of it. So I ordered like pop stuff, you know, like pop records, right? So I had a whole bunch of albums that I ordered that I never really listened to, but Dr. Dre, The Chronic, was the first CD I remember busting down, you know, and, and putting it in there and really having a love for when you get the cd breaking down the rappers because you know even then they really took time artists really took time and like you open it up the pamphlet inside the little booklet and they would have stories they would have sometimes the lyrics written down they would have so many different things in there that it was like man this really submerges me into the whole you know the whole vibe of this album and what this artist went through at that time you know and so the chronic was the first album i was saying from there you know like i said it went from wu-tang you know and and down the list of artists that i was able to get at the time you know um today's digital just you know kind of getting off on that today's digital is way different you know i think that it makes it more like faster for artists to absorb it but they lose um they lose some of that soul because they don't get a chance to really open cds like that no more you know um but that's just my you know that's my personal belief on that no i wholeheartedly agree with you i miss the I miss the the feeling of opening up an album, opening up a CD, and you have that booklet, like you said, and you'll read through some of the artists that were that were influences to that track. You you may get a little backstory on how that track came about. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, then you get some of the dedication, so some of the people that they appreciate uh, for the making of that album. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I miss, I miss that whole essence of it. And even though right now we live in a world where, like you said, you're able to put that music out a whole lot faster. Uh, I think as an, as a fan, you miss out on some of the, uh, I guess some of the, 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 the essence of the song because you, you hear, or the album itself, because you hear the song. And as soon as you don't like the song, you just go over to your next song to your favorite song. You don't have to stick to that album or anything else. But when you used to, when that album came out, you put that CD in, it may be the middle of the track and you, or the middle of the playlist. And you may not like that one song. You got to go through everything else before you pull that CD out and say that this, that this is trash, that this is no yeah. good. So yeah. I do, I, I miss the whole essence of having an out of having a CD, actually holding the CD and putting it in the, in the, in the CD player. Cause you, you, I think you you get a little bit more uh, understanding of the artist's passion. You get a little bit more of how much they care about listening to or or creating that sound for their listeners or for their fans, so that their fans get a better understanding of who they are. So wholeheartedly, I, I I agree. And I remember the times where you could open up the little catalog and order the CDs. You get like ten for like ten dollars or ten for like a dollar and everything else. So I remember them times where you used to be able to order it, clip out the little back with your name and information on it, send it out, and then next thing you know, you got ten CDs in your mailbox. I I, I remember them days all too well. I remember those days all too well. Who 
who are you listening to right now? Who's on the radio for you or who's in your ear right now as far as, oh, man, this guy has got it. I like his sound. Um, hold on. Let me think. Give me a, give me a, give me a sec. Um, one, I really don't listen to the radio. You know, I got a, uh, it's like a love and hate relationship. I'm mad because I'm not on it. <laughs> you know, so so I don't I don't listen to it. And I also feel like they they push their, you know, their alternate agendas when they play a certain type of artist all the time. And then you can you can literally like you'll watch the artists in the interviews and you'll you'll see that they really don't have too much talent or they really don't care. You know, I don't really like that type of vibe when I look at an artist. If an artist always acts like he don't care and then he don't really have the talent. And but yet they're pushing him on the radio all the time. You know, that kind of it's upsetting to the people that I know that work hard. You know, like I said, um, it's I have I, I can say that I listen more now to the baby and little baby and um was what's what's the dude's name? Why YK Osiris? Um a few other rappers in that in that lane of, of music. I can't just put a name on them. My brother listens to them to them more than I do. You know what I mean? But I would say those are the people that I listen to a little bit more. I'm like, man, these people are going to have long-term careers, man. And I really like their work so far, you know? Um, and that's probably it, man. I don't really have a long, you know, long speech on that, dude. Hey, it's all good. I mean, we here on the Mo Show, we feel the same way when it comes to the radio. The radio is going to give you a lot of, uh, a lot of artists that, that, may not be talented they just have a certain sound to them that like you said there's sometimes there's hidden agendas there's labels that are pushing out artists because they're streaming on tiktok and they're going crazy like right now i think the 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 big thing that's starting to boom is the silhouette challenge on instagram and tiktok however you know you got the silhouette you got this actual track streets by doja cat that's all that's starting to boom up on the on the billboard charts so you know, there there is a formula, there's an algorithm to it, and you don't you don't necessarily have to be the best of artists in order to get on the radio. So I I, I hear you loud and clear when you say you know you kind of stay away from it because it's a love hate relationship. You want to be on it, but at the same time, you know you know that there's not too much talent when it comes to being on there. So that makes complete sense. That makes yep. Have you heard Lupe's uh Lupe Fiasco's version of Silhouette? I did, you know, my co-host Cadme, he sent me uh, the tweet and of of him doing the little the verse, the one minute verse, and you know, hey, for me, Lupe is one of my favorites uh, yeah. as far as as far as lyrical artist goes, and mine too. Hearing that, hearing that is it's nice, man. It's it's I, I wish he would come back and 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 put some more music together. <laughs> he's definitely uh you know and I, i'm it's funny that i just mentioned him now too but lupe is definitely one of the goats that i put up on that list man you know his last project or the project one of my favorite ones is uh what is it tetsu and kids is that what it's called bro just the lyrical you know how he 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 structured in his schemes and you know the musical selection choice i was like man this is like this is like lyrical art you know, you can literally take his song and throw it up on a wall and it would be a painting. You know, that's how in depth it was and how, you know, how it touched me, man. So whenever I hear Lupe, you know, I always like, man, he, he definitely is one of those people. Whatever his struggle is, it doesn't matter. He's definitely one of those artists that I always look out for. So when they have challenges on TikTok and like Silhouette, I'm always looking like, well, who's going to be the artist? You know, who's going to be the person that that will jump on as far as rappers that could really make it something that's relatable to me. It's hard for me to get on TikTok, man. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I know it's, I know that there's a business in it. I know that people are blowing up from it, but for me, I'm just, I always try to stay authentic and, and I find myself not really be being authentic, trying to get on TikTok and do a dance challenge or something that's just out of my lane, you know, and, and maybe that's gonna, you know, that kind of hinders my career, but, it's just weird to me. You know, I see a lot of people doing a lot of crazy stuff on TikTok to blow up. And I'm just like, nah. It's, it's and that was, was going to be my next question. How do you keep yourself from diving into that 
that instant success world because you know it's out there there's the purity side of things and then there's the other side of things where you have the microwave effect and right now tiktok is giving out that microwave effect anytime there's a challenge whether you're doing the dance or you're recreating a verse to it, you know, there's this element of, I want right yeah. now, I want that success right now. So I, speak to how you keep yourself from getting into that world, how you keep yourself, how you keep your mind focused on just staying pure versus, because no, you know you can get into there. You know that, hey, my verse is hot enough. If I wrote a verse of this, it would go and I could put it out there. So just speak to how you keep yourself in the lane that you're in instead of trying to get into that that microwave effect, that instant mentality where where it's, I, I can get like a thousand followers, 2000 followers right now if I just put out this verse. All right, so for example, you have an artist like uh, Bad Barbie, right? She is, is to me, it's like, she, she, you know, she didn't blow up off of TikTok, but I would say her career is really, you know, very relatable to people who kind of blow up on TikTok, right? The regular people, um, they don't really have any talents per se. And then they do something that's silly or they're, they're doing something that's, you know, you know, um, that is disrespectful to their family or something stupid like licking a toilet or something crazy like that. And then they blow up overnight. And because it's so polarizing, people put them on a pedestal instantly. And that's that. You'll have that five minutes of fame and not too many artists are able to take it and actually run with it. And I would say that Bad Barbie, no matter if you like her music or not, she's one of those people that you can say, oh, well, she really didn't seem like she had nothing going for herself, but now that she has the money and the people backing her, she has made a successful rap career. And when you listen to some of her songs, they're not that bad. I actually like a couple of her records. So I'm like, I like that when I see that in the artist, but too many times people will blow up and then they'll get put up there. There'll be a bunch of memes about it. And, but because of the way the internet is, is, is set up, it's hot for, and one day, one week, and then the next week, the next day, you're done, you know? And so if you're looking to have that instant exposure, which is what a lot of people are, they want that, that social media self-gratification. Yeah, I would say go on TikTok. I would say do those things, do those challenges and go for the likes and, 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 and boost your numbers up and stuff. But ultimately, I know for me, I don't wanna be the artist that when the time comes, let's say I have an opportunity, people look at me and be like, you have nothing to offer. You're, you're plain as a potato, dry as bread. Like you have nothing behind you. And, and uh, because I'm able to look at artists and look at people blow up overnight like that and then the next day they're gone, it allows me to really just keep myself in perspective. Like, yo, make this about the crap. Like Will Smith said, you have to put in your, what, 900, 9,000 hours in a craft in order to be considered a master of it. So I just personally focus on work the work, the work, work, artists. What's your music sound like? What's the next song you're doing? What's the, the graphics behind it? Because I do graphics too. All the graphics that you've seen on uh, like for Food Chain and the album cover work, I did all that. And so I make it about the craft. I don't want to blow up and then have nothing to offer to people. This is really good stuff, man. This is really good stuff. So everybody, that is our time for today. We appreciate Drip Matthews being on the show with us, man. Uh, as always, I am your host, Hitch Montana. Again, this is that Mo Show. Peace out, everybody. Peace, y'all.